This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I am Holly. Um, I'm still in lockdown, but I have a new platform. And so I have with me Paul Barlow. How are you? I'm fantastic. Slightly crazy, but fantastic. Thank you for having me. Love it. Love it. Well, look, I'm excited. We've got, you know, a writer, a content creator, um, social commentator, Paul Barlow. (laughs) And and, and I'm excited because um, after the recent announcements, uh, your own experiences of being in Auckland, in a similar situation, really wanted to tease out what that means for us uh, with regard to eased restrictions within the Waikato district. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well, because obviously the district is a lot different to the way that Auckland works. Auckland's a big urban area, but you still have the same essential rules. We're allowed to travel around the region and you're allowed to do things like dig boats out. So there'll be a few coastal communities at the moment sitting there going, yeah, we can get people in. Or Absolutely. how do we keep people out? Yeah, well, and that, that might be the interesting side, eh? When yeah, they it start is. Seeing some of those tensions. I've noticed it a little bit recently that the people freak out a little bit when COVID's mentioned and, and COVID hits your community. And it, it's a natural response, I think, to get all insular and try and protect those around you. And, and there's been a lot of talk in a couple of the community forums that I sort of manage where it's. Uh, I want to keep people out. What do we do? What's the process? They can do this in Northland. Why can't we do it here? So there's a lot of questions around that. But at the same time, that's under a hard level three border or a level four border. A slightly restricted one means that those checkpoints would have to work differently if they were setting up a community checkpoint. Mm. Um, And and every step of the way has to be about keeping your community safe. Look, absolutely. Let's roll right back and start talking about what ease restrictions really are. So, yeah. so under level three, um, it's locked down, but it's yes. locked down with takeaways, right? Yes. Not much, yeah, that's not exactly it. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it is. Um, more people can go to work under a, under a hard level three, um, yeah. but it's generally to get things like orders out or working through click and collect. So it's not direct customer interaction, but it's making sure that the economy is ticking over. So does that mean, Paul, that under a hard level three, um, is it is it anything that could be click and collect, or is it still items that are deemed essential items? Which no, it's is any, level anything can be click and collect. Okay, so, yeah. so any uh, kind of retail, as long as it can be done in that contactless, safe way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't necessarily have to be your essentials like it is under level four. Level four is essentially stay home. We're going to make sure you can do it the things you need to do to survive. Level three is a little bit more about opening up the economy while still trying to keep people away and keep people safe. Yeah. So what does an eased level three mean then, Paul? Basically, it means more interaction with people. Anything that, that's a really hard border like three or, or hard four means that you don't get to go out and interact with people. And we're social animals, so it's really important that we have that interaction. While you could do something like this, like a video call, for example, it's not the same as physically being able to sit there and talk to somebody. You don't get things like body language cues, for example. Mm. So 
having that, that interaction, that socialization is something that makes us human. And this gives us a bit more of that. It's not a case of throwing a massive raging party, but you can still go out and interact with people. You can see them in public. And if you're all working together to keep each other safe still, there in theory should not be an increased communication of the virus itself. Okay. So um, so when you say seeing other people, like when, when we heard about this in Auckland, we it seemed to be level three with picnics as opposed yes. to level three with lockdowns. So, yeah, but picnics yeah. is probably the most obvious one because that's what the Prime Minister said. Um, and like I noticed it here, the day that it started, the, the local parks, full of families doing that, which was really cool to see. But there was also things like families getting together to kick the rugby ball around. Mm. You know, it, it, it's just getting that interaction up again. Uh, family groups going for big walks around the block because they've only been able to talk to each other over fences. Um, it's basically a public interaction. So you could go out and meet people for coffee, for example, but you just keep that, that space open yeah. and you can so, be outdoors having coffee. So, so is it about being outdoors or can you bring some of these activities indoors? No, it's all outdoors. And that's because the virus doesn't transmit outdoors like it does indoors. In an enclosed space, the virus can settle, it can get stuck in ventilation and it circulates within the mm -hmm. air supply a lot more. Outdoors New Zealand has never had a transmission outdoors. So it, it's considered by the Ministry of Health as the safest option for keeping people safe mm. while still letting them do that interaction. From your experience, Paul, like being um, out, of, out and about in an ease level three, what are you seeing in terms of face masks and other PPE? At the start, it was really common to see masks out all the time. Um, that was kind of it though for PPE, like you're not gonna see people out in the bio suits. I haven't seen much in the way of those big sneeze mask things that people have. Um, not a lot of glove use or anything like that. Masks are, are sort of the big one for people. The um, go-to, yeah. Yeah, but, but as we've gone on, that's gotten less and less. People are, are less reliant on the masks. And I think that's more down to fatigue than anything else. Like it, it's one of those things. I, I was at the wharf the other day and there were whales out there. So you had a whole bunch of people down there to see what was going on. Um, two people wearing masks, myself and one other person. Wow. And, it, and it was just a, you know, I, I get that mask, they're uncomfortable. I can't see when I wear a mask, I fog up, which is a great time to go whale watching. Yeah. Um, but it, it's one of those things that I think people are just kind of over it. Yeah. Well. So, so the mask use drops. What about social distancing? Are you finding um, groups that aren't together? Are they, or even groups that are together, are you seeing them a little more socially distanced or are they? Yeah, I think that actually comes down to a bit of training now. I mean, we're a few months into this, uh, but this is, I think, week 10 or 11 for, mm. for Auckland. So we're at that point now where we know to social distance, it, it's sort of been trained into us. You'll get people who don't do it and that makes everyone else uncomfortable. And you can see that it makes everyone uncomfortable. And even outside when the, the parks opened and picnics and that were back on the table, social distancing was still really obvious. Even in things like supermarkets, you see when you're going through the emergency grocery run. What about people using um, the the uh, equipment in parks? So so we've had tape around all of the playgrounds saying, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Is that still an activity that no, is restricted no. under level three? East? No, the, the, the parks open under level three, step one. Um, 
I know there was a little bit of, uh, well, they won't they when they first announced it. And same with public bathrooms. There was a little bit of, of are they going to open them or not? Um, but That's right. There was bathroom. talk about having to, to wee outside or, or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, and if you have friends over, take them to your lemon tree because that's yeah. going to be good for the lemon tree. Um, but the parks are open, the playgrounds are open, and it's just a case of making sure that you're socially distancing while you're there and making sure that kids are socially distancing while they're there. Um, same with the public bathrooms. It's, it's your basic... Um, hygiene actions that you take in the bathroom anyway, mm. like washing your hands is really important for keeping yourself safe away from a bathroom. Yeah. So, so, so I think that they've sort of figured that's okay. As long as you're not cramming a bathroom full of people, you should be fine. Now, this is probably an unfair question, Paul, because I know you're not a dog owner, okay. um, but I am curious whether or not you know, do people, can people have off-lead dogs in level three eased? So could I go to the dog park with my dog and let him run around? Yeah, I believe you can. It, it's one of the ones that, one of the questions that sort of popped up here as well. We don't have a dog park in the immediate vicinity to where I am, but there's always dogs friendly areas yeah. around the community. And that was one of the questions that came up. It's just a case if you have to keep yourself socially distanced. So as long as your dog's running around and you're not hanging around with too many other people and you're looking after yourself, you should be fine. Okay, well, that's, that's really good to know because that's been one of my, I suppose, areas of concern. Of um, but you, you mentioned there um, you don't have a, an off-lead dog park in your vicinity. So no. under Ease Level 3, does that mean that we still really need to be within our own communities? We're not kind of travelling around? No, under Ease Level 3, you can travel as much as you want to within your region. So oh, okay. So for Auckland, that's a little bit different to, to where you are because Auckland is obviously a large contained city, but there's nothing stopping me from traveling to Monaco or yeah, um, somewhere like Mairangi Bay. You know, like, like I could go pretty much anywhere yeah. I want to, as long as I'm following those social distancing rules when I get there. Um, for you guys, it's going to be a little different because I'm not sure yet whether or not it's mm. you can only travel within the Waikato or whether or not it's that and the King Country area that that's locked off. Yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if they were that strict on the borders. I think they're just going to say, you know, north of Bombay, south of Bombay, so you can travel within those areas if you're within them. But I, I haven't had confirmation mm. yet on that one. And I, um, I, I see in this um, the announcement that was on Wednesday that, um, that this will not mean travel between Auckland and Hamilton. No. No, so I think that's really interesting. What was your thoughts around that? I, I was... I'm always hopeful that I can get home, but that wasn't the case this time. Um, I, I, it does kind of make sense to me, though, in that it seems that the outbreak in the Waikato is very contained. They, they know what groups of people it is that it's affecting. They know the contacts, and a lot of the positive cases are household contacts, or they, they can keep it sort of lined up. Up here, it's not contained. So we're getting mystery cases every day from all over the city. So mm. it makes more sense to basically keep us locked up so that we're not getting that, that unfettered spread throughout the rest of the country. So this is more about um, keeping Hamilton and the Waikato safer yes. rather, than using, yeah, rather than using necessarily Hamilton as just a buffer for the rest of the country yeah. not to get COVID. <laughs> a absolutely. The, the whole way that COVID got into the region down there anyway was problematic and it came from somebody mm. breaking that border. So it, it's really important, I think, to keep that border in place because that person wouldn't have known that they were walking into somewhere that, that had COVID. They would have assumed it was safe. And those kind of assumptions can be really dangerous. Um, where I am at the moment, there's a lot of community cases up here that they haven't been able to connect. So it's one of those 
sort of scenarios where going outside seems kind of scary sometimes and that border helps make sure you guys don't end up in that situation before we take a break paul um because we're going to move we're going to we're still going to carry on a COVID conversation but we're going to change tech a little bit but before we do that um your thoughts and your experiences over the last few weeks as you guys have come into that eased sort of level three do you think that's made a big difference to people's mental health i think so um it, it's made it easier to i think reassess where you are and what's important because you can bounce ideas off people you can connect with people i don't have little kids so it's a little bit different in that respect i don't have to worry so much about them going out and socializing but I can certainly see how that would be really helpful. I know, for example, my neighbors have kids and the neighbors over the road have little kids and they're all about the same age and they can interact more instead of it being a no, you can't talk to them kind of scenario. And kids need that, but yeah. adults also need it. And I think it's been just, just sort of seeing following community pages and stuff like that, that interaction sort of eases a little bit of the stress. I think that's yeah, beautifully well summed. So thank you very much. Look, we're just going to take a short break, um, listen to some music. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit around um, the discourses that we're hearing around COVID and vaccinations. And we're going to chat a little bit about what you think the future might look like for us, Paul. I'm looking forward to it. It's where I feel free to be me. Free FM 89.0.
Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I am Holly from Community Waikato and I have social commentator Paul Barlow with me today. How are you, Paul? You that title. Yeah, social I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so you when you think about it. You've been involved in, you know, a lot of this kōrero for years, not obviously the COVID one, but, but just generally stuff that's happening in our communities. You've always had a curiosity and yeah. an interest in, in talking about this stuff and and I've always appreciated, you know, your balanced, thoughtful reviews I, about what's I, happening. I certainly try. It's not always easy. It's balance not always, always easy. Balance is always a balancing act. Yeah, yeah look, absolutely. And I, and I think we'll probably touch on that in this conversation um, as we go into some of the rhetoric we're hearing around um, COVID. And I know that you, you're involved in a number of pages on social media. You're following um, conversations that are happening. And from your perspective, what have you been seeing in this space? I think it really depends on the community that you're looking at. Um, there is, it, it feels very much online at the moment, like there is a divide really down ethnic lines, but like, there's a really obvious divide there. Um, there's a divide between who has money and who doesn't. Um, that, that becomes a bit of a play. And I think we actually saw that really early on with the Wanaka couple when they, they absconded from Auckland and went down south. And there was almost this feeling that they're going to get away with it because they're rich white people. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with the, the Red Vale party a couple of weeks ago. Um, Red Vale is a very small community. Like it, it's an isolated community which is gated off from everybody else. It's not actually in with the rest of the North Shore suburbs. It's a couple of kilometres north of it. So it, I can, it's really isolated. But when you go through there and you have a look at the houses, you, you sort of sit there wondering, you know, how many years worth of wealth have you accumulated to get something that big? Yeah. <laughs> they're very big places. But um, you, you kind of expect them to get away with it because they're rich and white. Mm -hmm. the, the communities that I've followed, though, down in the Waikato, they're being very much along the lines of, we don't feel like we trust the government. We don't know what's what the actual agenda is. It doesn't help that there have been voices in some people's heads going, the government's trying to control you. Um, generally, they come from like your mega churches and your your, your sect leaders who, who are trying to make a bit of a quick cash injection for themselves off this. But it, it, it's a really weird sort of dualism where you, get, you basically have your, your, your rich white people going, we'll be fine. And you have everybody asking me going, but will we? And that's been a really weird discourse to watch around this. Yeah, it's interesting you you mentioned that um, that lack of trust in the government, and historically we could see why that may Absolutely. be the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, in, in terms of we've, we've heard um, communities, Pacific Island community, Maori communities, for example, um, start suggesting they should be taking leadership of particularly the vaccination rollout in their own communities? What was your thinking around that? I think it's really important that they do that for a couple of reasons. One, it's, it's their communities. They want to build up that trust within their community around the vaccine and the process behind it. And if it comes from within their community, it doesn't feel like they're being forced into it as much. It, it feels much more of a conversation that they're comfortable having. And there's been a lot of social media movement lately from people within those communities really grateful to have somebody within their community that they know, that's known them for years, sit down and talk through those issues that they've got and, and try and, and make sure that whatever decision that they choose to go ahead with is one that they're comfortable with. I think that's a really important part of it. But also the results that we're actually seeing, like the physical numbers of people who are going out and getting vaccinated, when you leave that, that process in the hands of a community group that works with them, 
is so much better than just the DHB sitting there going, right, you need to do it, do it this way. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. You, we, we're we seeing more and more um, industries being mm-hmm. um, mandated, you know, around vaccinations, particularly those front-facing industries. Um, and it feels even people like myself, fully vaccinated, absolutely 100%, um, but you start questioning, um, does it, you, it starts feeling like quite a different environment when you're being told that you have to get vaccinated. Yeah, um, and, and you, I yeah, think as a country as well, we've always had this rebellious streak. If you tell us what we're doing, we're going to say no initially, or we're going to, we're going to question why. I think that's a very Kiwi attitude. And, and to suddenly be told, look, you need to take the vaccine, people are going to freak out a little bit by it. They are. Um, do you think mandates then are the way to get it done? Um, I think for the little pockets of, of groups, mandates are going to be essential. Like, like teachers, for example, it, it makes sense that when you are dealing with so many people, particularly people who can't look after themselves, like kids who can't be vaccinated at the moment, that you put in every protection that you can. So I think things like teacher mandates is always going to be the case. When they nurses. put in the nurses, absolutely yeah. the same thing. Um, when they put in the, the mandates around or the changes to the system, the traffic light system, and how that's going to work. It was really obvious to me that retail and front house workers are going to end up being the next group that got mandated because it mm. seems like the logical step. Because again, you're interacting with so many people. But I don't think if you were to do it as a broad spectrum, everybody has to be vaccinated. This is the law mm. that you'd get the pull through that you needed. It's just the specific roles that have it. What I like about the traffic light system, and I am excited about it, so bring on 90% vaccination rates, that's all I can say. But what I like about it is um, that it incentivizes vaccinations rather than mandates. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, about absolutely. yeah, creating the, the right sort of environment for people to be able to live a normal life. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And we've already seen effects in Hamilton where that's happened. You've got people like John Lawrenson, who was, yes. he was on the fence about it. And he's decided, no, to make this work, he's going to have to be vaccinated. And he might not necessarily agree with the particular vaccine that he got, but he hasn't come out saying, no, vaccines are bad. He just wanted a little bit more information about other things. And that's fine. Like doing that investigation, doing that work to find out what's going to be the right fit for you totally makes sense if we didn't have the time pressure. And the time pressure is a big part of it. I I agree, Paul, but part of me also says when people say they're going to do their research, yeah, that's they always really a big scary thing. <laughs> yeah, what do we yeah. mean by research, eh? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't have a science lab set up to be able to do first-hand no. research on this, and but, I don't think but, many of us do. Most of us are not going to the peer-reviewed studies and actually no. reading the science behind it either. So our research no. is actually looking Although at... fantastic if you needed an insomnia cure. Oh, that's but, right, like, absolutely. Science papers are boring as hell but they make sense to the people who need them to make sense. That, that's right. And people who know how to read um, that data, which is actually yes. very, very complicated data. Absolutely. And I think that's also part of what scares people. If you look at this data and it's big and complicated and it's using terms that you don't know that sound kind of scary, it's going to freak people out. And, yeah. and that's where you get some of your hesitancy from. And you get groups as well that play on that hesitancy, which is really dangerous. Um, some of them do it out of a genuine no, genuine fear of, of not knowing what's going in there, wants to know more. Some do it as a money-making scheme, and that's actually really sad and dangerous. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you did mention mega churches as well, and yeah. they've certainly have an impact. I I think on the thinking of a lot of people. What I've found interesting there has been um, their connection to more mainstream audiences as well, using yes. that platform of free speech and um, pushing against these mandates and. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's feeling like a wedge to try and get people interested in what they're doing. And I, there are people within the religious community, and I'm not religious myself, but there are people within the religious community who are really pro-vaccine, who are really pro-getting people involved with it. Um, there are people within the, the religious community who are questioning it, and, and I can understand why they're questioning it, but there are also people out there who are just fighting it point blank, and they're the ones that are the trouble to deal with like the the ones that are going point blank this is wrong give me money so i can fight it yeah yeah absolutely we don't have a lot of time left so just in the last minute or so your thoughts about what the future looks like um different to what it looked like two years ago i think yeah totally um, <laughs> travel is going to be very different um the way that we interact with everybody is going to be different um i think it's going to have to be it's going to have to evolve but at the same time, I think once we have adapted and we're a very adaptable species, we'll be able to move forward and it'll just be what the new normal is. Uh, and you know, it, it just means not going outside and licking people in the park anymore. You just have to find new ways around what you do for fun. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think that's that's very fair. Um, do you think we're gonna get the, the, to the 90% vaccination rate? I think rate? it's possible. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's possible. I think it won't be much more than 90%. But I think 90% is a doable number. The, the biggest issue with 90% as a blanket number is that it leaves behind some community groups that really need to have a stronger focus. And it, it feels a bit too blanket. And we could reach that 90% without having those vulnerable communities vaccinated. And that doesn't seem a fair way to do it. Yeah, it's a really good point and, and probably a whole other show to talk about, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very complicated issue. <laughs> yeah. So, look... Um, you know, from our perspective, you know, we work in community and, and we certainly want to protect those most vulnerable communities as well. Um, and we want to get back to being able to meet with people face to face and to support people in that sort of space as well. Do you think it will happen before Christmas or are we? I think Christmas is kind of the, the knife's edge at the moment. It, it depends on how well people behave now under level three, step one. It's going to make a big difference. Most of the transmissions that we saw in the first outbreak were through workplaces, and that's why work is sort of off the cards at the moment, because it's an enclosed space you can't get away from. Um, the outbreak at the moment, particularly in the Waikato, is much more interactions with other people who have common interests. So they're not big social group people, but they still have a decent network that can cause that spread. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes what Christmas is this year. Your best advice then for any listeners? Um, take it one day at a time. Don't stress because it's not going to change anything. Do some research, but talk to the people that you trust more about things like vaccines if you've got any hesitancy. Uh, and try and make sure you're always there for people if they need you to be. I think that's really helpful advice. Look, thank you so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. And we will get you back on some other time, perhaps. Hopefully you know, in person. Sorry? Hopefully in person. Well, wouldn't that be even better? It'd be amazing. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I even take you out to lunch afterwards. I'm down.
definitely fantastic (laughs) look thank you so much and to our listeners thank you as well um if you can please go get vaccinated you've been listening to connect with community on what's like on free fm 89.0 thanks for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.